0: That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about prime time matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty?
1: Mavs fans, this is Kirk Henderson coming to you again with another episode of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. I'm coming to you a couple hours after the Mavericks fell to the Thunder on the road, uh, 106 to 101. <sighs> Guys, I uh, I don't really know what to say about this one. This was the Mavs, you know, third uh, game and four nights, all three games on the road. Uh, they were missing Tim Hardaway Jr. after his hamstring injury against the Lakers. And they are missing Chris Stapps for Zyngus, as we all know, after uh, he felt some knee pain during warm-ups, and the Mavs training staff, uh, you know, just basically decided to hold him off uh, from playing just out of a precautionary note. Um, Let's circle to the good stuff first. So... You know, Luca was really, really scoring with ease inside the lane. I think he was 9 of 13 inside the uh, inside the three-point line. You know, he was rebounding well. He was making some great, great passes out of uh, pick-and-roll reads. Uh, his teammates, however, you know, weren't really hitting shots. He finished with 35, 10, and 7. Then Maxi Cleva was an absolute beast on the boards. He scored 14, and he also grabbed 14 rebounds. Uh, six of them were offensive. He was uh, pretty impressive on the boards. Uh that's about it for the good because the Mavs lost their uh, second straight game and it was really frustrating if you watched the game live. They were up 9 with uh, I'm sorry, up 7 with 3 minutes remaining, only scored 2 points in the final 3 minutes. Uh lost, you know, basically played terrible defense, played, you know, gave up offensive rebounds and then tightened up on offense. Uh, you know, this is a really key game for uh, you know, Chris Dapp's worth. He provides that extra bit of spacing. It might not be much. It might be inches in terms of how close the defender is in the lane. But Luca, you know, the more he probed tonight, particularly after the first quarter, the Thunder closed off a lot of lanes to him. You know, he scored anyways. But the passing, you could just see it was the degree of difficulty for which he was playing was a lot higher than it normally is. And that's because Kristaps Porzingis forces his defender, usually uh, another post player to step further out of the lane and be closer to him. Otherwise, they're going to pay the price with uh, Chris Depp shooting the three. Because even though, you know, sometimes it feels like he doesn't shoot that well, he, he his threat is enough to keep the defenses honest. Um, the team shooting was also absolutely horrendous tonight. As a team, the Mavericks shot something just terrible, like 35% from the floor and when you know you move past, past Luca, who didn't shoot the ball well from the outside, you really can see that the rest of the Mavericks didn't shoot, shoot the ball well either. It was a really odd regression game from Dorian Finney-Smith, for example, who shot uh, one of eight from the floor, and he missed all five of his attempts inside the three-point line, which was a little bit strange. Uh, you know, Seth Curry couldn't find the broad side of a barn. DeLon Wright was pretty bad. Brunson was bad. I mean, yeah, just going through this. Everybody except Clevo was pretty bad. Uh, Powell didn't shoot with enough volume, so it's, you know, kind of hard to be critical of him. Luca, um, you know... <sighs> You don't want to be critical of an MVP candidate. He's really, really good at basketball. But I think we need to pick apart an aspect of his game tonight. And that was his willingness to keep shooting the three. The fact that he took 16 three-point attempts and only made three is ridiculous. When, like I mentioned, he made 9 of 13 inside the arc. His unwillingness to probe the lane in the fourth quarter was a little bit of a problem. Uh, I don't think, you know, a lot of people feel like he plays like James Harden. I can see it in the play-by-play, but overarching, you know, when you pull back and look at his game from like a 50,000-foot view, he's way more interested in getting everybody involved. He doesn't necessarily want to take that shot unless it's, you know, unless he, he feels like that's the best thing for the team. And I really wish he would have probed because he had his floater working tonight, just hit some incredible shots. And the fact that he kept shooting those threes is something he's probably kicking himself over. Uh, you know, He's only shooting 32% on the year. I went and looked at the stats. He's 85 of 269. And if you look at his game log, you can really see it. Because they're the, just these games where, like against the Warriors, he's shooting lights out. And then other games where he's just terrible. And he needs to find, you know, 32% is really not going to cut it long term. Uh, the volume, I suppose, is there. Uh, I know, you know, with, with with what he's shooting, you know, even if he can shoot a couple percentage points higher, it might only mean, you know, two or three more makes over the course of a month. But that that's it's just important for what the Mavericks do, and he just he obviously wasn't the reason they lost, but just you know the last couple of three point attempts that he took, they're just not good. When they're coming up short, he didn't have the legs. I really didn't understand why he kept firing. Uh, he was also pretty bad from the free throw line. You know, he took 12 attempts, he only hit eight. He probably should have gone to the line 20 times, but the refs, you know, they just they don't call that sort of stuff for him at this point in his career. Um, the other big, uh, you know, kind of bricklayer on the team was uh, Seth Curry, who's three for 10. And when you go through his game log, even though he's shooting pretty good, uh, you know, percentage overall for the year, his game log is really one of uh, hot or cold where he he's, I think he's something like 6 of 24 in his last two games, and you can just see game by game where he'll go like 0 for 7, 1 for 8, and then he'll have another game where he's 7 for 10, things like that. And, you know, this is why expecting him to be kind of that third banana scorer might not ever be his bag. I, you kind of got to live with it with him. He He's, a, he's obviously a, an excellent player. The Mavericks, you know, can use him. But this is, tonight was a good example of, you know, why they needed him and he didn't come through. And that sort of thing is, is, is just pretty frustrating. Um, the last thing that was pretty bad was the defensive rebounding. The Mavs gave up 18 offensive rebounds. I don't understand why Rick Carlisle subbed out, um, Dwight Powell. I mean, subbed in Dwight Powell for Maxi Klebo at about the 240 mark. Uh, Chris Paul went to the free throw line, uh, on a, Drive to the hoop, and um, Dwight Powell gave up an offensive rebound to uh, Stephen Adams, and then Chris Paul hit a three. Now, I don't know if anybody can really handle Stephen Adams on the Mavericks, but like Dwight Powell is not a good rebounder. He had four rebounds in twenty and twenty nine minutes uh, tonight. You know, you look at, at a game like the Laker game the other night where he had eleven boards. I think a lot of them was just the ball coming right at him off the rim. He's not good at fighting for boards. He's not good on position. Uh, He's he's just a slight guy compared to a guy like Adams. So I don't, you know, just putting him in. I, I suppose for offensive reasons uh, is 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 really a thing why Carlisle likely did that. But it, you know, the Mavericks gave up points, and Powell is part of why. And I, I this is not a thing I, I entirely understand. Um, the other, I guess, there's one more really challenging thing. It's that the the clutch offense this year. If I were to, to dive into the numbers, and I need to get Josh or someone else in the Moneyball staff who's really good with the analytics on this to dive into it, but the Mavericks, they really suck in the clutch. Uh, it's been bad since the Miami game when when uh, Luca went out with his ankle sprain, and it's it's just not been good this year, I don't think. I think the, Maver- the Mavericks struggle to get off good looks in and cl- and crutch time, which I don't understand why. They play the same basketball. I wonder if they're just a little tight. If, it, if this is a youth thing, um, they haven't played too many clutch games, to be honest, because you know they're they're usually kicking the crap at a lot of these these lower level teams. So it's it's hard to say what that is, what the problem is. But the Mavericks really need to figure it out. This is where. You know, a loss like this, even though they're missing two of their five best players, a loss like this is why you can see certain fans saying, oh, they need something else. They need to add something. Don't know what it is, whether it's a shot maker, whether it's a rebounder, they need to do something. I'm not on that that train yet, but I, I at least understand the argument because the Mavericks have to do better in offensive crunch time. They have good offensive players. They are one of the best offenses in NBA history. Not being able to get off... A shot because of how many minutes are left on the clock and what quarter it is is pretty stupid uh and they need to figure that one out in a hurry uh, a couple other things to circle back on this is uh, uh really this is going to be the first time of the year that the mavericks are, are facing adversity uh you know luca had that that tape on his neck uh kp is not feeling good in his in his legs and and The Mavericks are banged up and coming off losses, and, you know, they have a six-game homestand, and this is the time for them to respond. Uh, I'm not sure how those games are going to go. I've not really looked ahead to the schedule that much, but this is, you know, a snapshot in their season where we're all going to be paying close attention to see how they respond. Luka cannot be expected to shoulder the load on his own. His teammates have to start picking it up for him and, you know, playing defense, hitting shots, doing a lot of the stuff that I mentioned before. The KP uh, knee stuff is—it's um, concerning to say the least. He said he felt something in the Laker game, and just hoped that uh, you know treatment would resolve. And when it didn't, the the training staff decided to hold him off tonight. Not to be pessimistic or anything, but this has sort of been the deal for Porzingis his entire career, going back to before he tore his ACL. He would play pretty solid for the, the first part of the season in the calendar year. And then when the, the clock would turn over to the new year, he would start to struggle. I suppose the argument against that would be that Porzingis hasn't really played that well yet. Uh, I think he has. I'm pretty pleased with his progress. But statistically, you can look at some of his numbers and you know kind of cringe because he's not able to shoot very well right now. But this is just, you know, kind of in the, the 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 mark against him is that he's not built for the long haul. Now he's already played more games than I would have expected this season, so I don't think that particular criticism is fair. It's something to look out for. They're obviously going to be very very cautious with Porzingis and how he uh, and how he he responds to treatment and what his pain level is and those sorts of things because he, you know they have a five year investment in him and they want they want him to play for the long run. But what happens when he doesn't play is that everybody else has to assume a different role. And tonight's a good example of the fact that the rest of the roster might not be able to do that. I still think they're capable of it in spots. They played well enough when, when Luca was out, so no reason for them to play if Porzingis might have to, to miss a little time. But they need to step up as a team on, on behalf of, of uh, you know Porzingis and whoever else might be missing time. I think we all believe in this roster. They're all kind of more than the sum of their parts. Some of them might be playing above where they've played in years past or, you know, even months past. But I think these guys, in, uh, you know, have the, the collective talent and also working within the system. I don't see why they, why they shouldn't be able to, to do more. Um, that's about all we got right now. I've, uh, you know, had a pretty good year, enjoyed doing this. I, I hope uh, you all have enjoyed listening to this as well. I appreciate the feedback and support. As always, we will continue to try to put out other podcasts that are, you know, not necessarily game recaps and things like this. But between, you know, real life and jobs and and other things, it's, it's sometimes hard to schedule guests. I'm always open for suggestions, though, so please hit me up if you have any ideas. As always, this has been Kirk Henderson with Mavs Moneyball After Dark. I want everybody out there to have a good new year. We'll see you out there.